thank you so much for joining us on Failing Forward today. Katie is a student from Emory who's been working with us on the failure report on Failing Forward and taking a broader look at what are some systemic issues where care has challenges in our programming. Katie, can you introduce yourself for the audience? My name is Katie Pons and I've been an intern with CARE and knowledge management and learning for the past few years. So I've had the pleasure to work in the Atlanta office while I've been pursuing my master's in development practice at Emory University. And this last summer, I was also fortunate to work at and learn from the CARE Cote d'Ivoire office in Abidjan as well. Why should we be talking about failure? So I think talking about failure is one of the most important parts of learning and innovation. As I mentioned, I just finished my master's and I would say a lot of our core Courses often took a very critical look at international development. So it's become almost second nature for me to focus on failing aspects of projects. However, in talking about failure at care, it's been super helpful to really go a step beyond to think about how to address those failures in more applied rather than theoretical ways. Talking about failure really goes hand in hand with CARE's values, especially looking at the importance of transformation, not only within the world, but within the organization. So being transparent and open in a lot of these hard conversations is really a critical foundation for approaching this line of work more intentionally. The first part of addressing failures is to better understand what that looks like. And I've been so honored to be a part of this project and conversation that I think is so necessary and important. Talk to us a little bit about the failure project. What were you looking at? Given how descriptive um, and varying the nature of CARES evaluations are, we really felt that a qualitative analysis best captured project failures in a way that promoted learning. So our analysis draws on lessons from what evaluators reported as the challenges, gaps, and lessons learned across 114 project evaluations written from 2015 to 2018. Mostly final evaluations, however, a couple midterm evaluations as well. We identified failures as things that went wrong, which really varied greatly in severity from minor budget issues to missing project target. We looked at projects across regions, and sectors, and member partners, and selected evaluations that discussed failure so that this would be a learning process. We used MaxQDA to code and analyze those evaluations. So we coded based on a codebook we developed that had 61 codes in total. Those fell under eight overarching categories. So three of us read the evaluations, coded them for those 61 identified failures. And once we finished coding, we then exported it to Excel for further analysis, visualization, and dissemination. Tell us what some of the context is about the findings. This is the first time we've ever done an exercise like this. So what are some of the things that we noticed as we were going through the process? Our findings are based on the evaluations we have at hand. Evaluators are not perfectly objective. They bring their own biases and also just style of writing evaluations. For me, I think one of the most interesting examples of that was encoding two different evaluations from the same project. Uh, one was quantitative and one was qualitative. And I coded both of these in the same day. And the qualitative one had 65 coded segments in six of our different categories, whereas the quantitative one had five coded segments all under the monitoring, evaluation, accountability, and learning category. 
So I think it really just emphasized how what people focus on can really shift what learning stems from the evaluation. There were many different levels of how successful a project was, and that really didn't correlate with how many coded segments we saw. Projects that overall were were noted as being very successful and reaching a lot of their goals, but were written in a way that were very reflective and emphasized the lessons learned. So it's just kind of interesting to look at how failure appeared in evaluations was not an indicator of whether or not goals were met. Given that diversity in evaluator opinion, in the level of success of the project, diversity of the data set we're working with, what are some of the things you think we can learn from this, even though there are some limitations? There's a lot that can be learned from this in terms of talking about having more constructive conversations about failure and about how care can effectively reach the populations it intends to serve. One of the beautiful things about this data is that we can look at overarching global trends or pull very specific examples. For instance, we can pull just looking at data analysis in West Africa and look at all the very specific codes around that. Using a qualitative approach is offering a lot of nuance in understanding what those failures look like rather than just looking at the numbers that are produced from this report. And largely our conversations about sharing this data, I think about have been about doing it in a way that doesn't blame or shame anyone or any project, but rather really promotes learning to improve impact in ways that helps transform the organization to better fight social injustice. It's important to emphasize that it's not about pointing fingers, but just recognizing that we can all work to be more intentional and hope that this highlights different issues maybe that people weren't considering before or also offers more detail and understanding on topics that people are actively trying to address. One of the things we've done is we have this huge qualitative coding set and then there's a shorter snapshot that essentially transforms qualitative data into quantitative data. Can you talk a little bit about that process and both pluses and minuses there? One of the pluses of that is being able to look at what trends exist around failure. It's interesting to see how different failures were coded at the same time. I think that a lot of the specific codes we used, some of them were more descriptive what happened, and some of them were more explanatory why it happened. You might have we overspent as just like a fact, that's what happened, but then there were other things such as, oh, we didn't have the appropriate staff that could explain maybe why our data quality wasn't as strong. Looking at those trends is really helpful in the numbers, but I think the downside of that is not to say that any of these numbers are generalizable or an objective truth about how things are happening at care. It's really more about promoting learning and showing these are things that exist in our evaluations and the data that we looked at. And hopefully these can help instruct and inform different aspects of project implementation from design through evaluation. What surprised you the most out of this process? There were a number of things that surprised me. One of them that was very refreshing is I was surprised by how honest many of the evaluations were. I was also surprised by the amount of difficulty there was around baseline data collection. That wasn't a specific code we had, but it underpinned a lot of our monitoring, evaluation, accountability, and learning codes. But I think the thing that surprised me the most was our gender category. Each of our overarching categories had 
had a code for just miscellaneous, anything that was in that category, but not one of the other specific codes. And we didn't really use that very much in the overarching categories, except for within gender. It was about 35% of our segments that we coded for gender failures fell under miscellaneous. And while that might just point to our code book not being very accurate in reviewing those codes, I feel like it really highlighted just how nuanced and complex challenging gender norms are. It wasn't that CARE didn't have a GBV plan or didn't have a gender advisor. Instead, it was just that attitudes and norms weren't shifting as anticipated. So for me, that's an area I'm really excited to explore more and try and understand better out of my own personal interests, but also because the data just really pointed to the complexity of the issue. And I was surprised how many were miscellaneous in that category. And that's a great example about how even how the data set isn't perfect. And even though we know there are challenges with the code book and the way the process happened, there's still a lot to learn there. What would you have done differently? If you could have started this all over again from the beginning, what would you change? So much. After reading so many evaluations, I think of this as the failures within our own failure project. But technology and time constraints were particularly limiting. It took us a while before we started the Max QDA. In that time, we, we lost a lot of data and we really weren't as efficient as we could have been. And because of that, and also because two-thirds of our coders are master's students on a student schedule with summer internships, it really felt like there was a time crunch when we um, transitioned into Mac using MaxQDA in January. And we really wanted to start producing results. In an ideal world, I think we would have spent more time at the beginning developing a stronger foundation. And by that, I really mean refining our code book. We did have just so many codes and some of them weren't particularly relevant or they were just so specific. Spending more time at the onset, just really strengthening that. I think would have been really beneficial. And then at the other end, I wish we'd had more time after finishing coding to review our codes as a team to ensure consensus across the board. There were definitely flaws in our research. That's why it's important to note that this is not some generalizable truth, but just really trying to bring to the forefront some trends around project failures and trying to do this in a very systematic way to, ha to have a bucket of evidence that is adaptable to meet people in different places. Talk a little bit more about that adaptable to new people in new places. What would you do next if we had a lot more time? What would you do next with this research? I think there's a lot of options for what people can do with this data set that truly go beyond even what I'm able to imagine with it, which is one of the things I really love about it. I hope it can structure conversation and inform project design. And that's an area that we flagged after all of coding. We, you know, we marked all of the codes that happened during our project design phase. And I think that's an area that's particularly interesting and relevant and that I think warrants a lot more attention. I hope that people keep asking what they want to see and what's helpful for them because we really can't extract so much different information from this data set, whether people want something very specific about a specific region and sector and failure type or if they want something more general and more global looking at themes. So it's really interesting how many different ways you can approach this and I'm very excited to see what other people's creativity is around what can be done with this. What are you doing now? The coding has happened. We've done that initial snapshot of those big buckets and a little bit of a dive there. What are some of the pieces we are working on to deepen or expand this project? With this data specifically, we're working to start those conversations, which has meant working on a global report 
uh, picking areas to develop learning briefs on trying to make this data more manageable and accessible within care. And of course, just sharing and gaining feedback from people. So many teams in within care in Madagascar and Bangladesh and in South Africa have been hosting, you know, fail fair and failing with honesty conversations. I hope that this research can be a part of those larger conversations about organizational transformation and adapting and making CARES work as effective as it can be. You know, many of the failures we identified are areas where CARE is already continuously and actively working to improve. This project just, I hope, um, helps provide evidence in a very systematic way to support that innovation and to support dedicated members who are trying to improve what they do. Yeah, I, so you mentioned the failing with honesty, failing forward, failure fair, all those different kinds of conversations we've been having, including this podcast. Can you talk a little bit about how the report complements that, but also how it might be different? This research really complements a lot of those conversations in a way that those conversations focus on insights from uh, specific examples and people's in-depth experiences around specific projects or experiences that they've had. And this data set offers more insights on global trends rather than just those specific examples. So I think that they complement each other really well because you need both. Having those examples offers really rich insights and having this data set gives insights into the global trends and overarching aspects of failure at care to look at. You've talked about it a little, but we always ask in the podcast, how does this help us improve impact? Not just to say, oh, we failed, now we're done. How does this learning help us get better? I think that that is one of our biggest hopes in, in doing this research is that it is actually useful for people and can help improve impact by offering people a very structured way to look at failure in whatever aspect of care they work in and that they want to address. That can look very different for different people. And that's why our codes touch on so many different things from HR and budget to monitoring and evaluation to implementation. And I think that that offers a lot of different people to be able to use this in whatever area that they are interested in. Talk for a minute about timelines. You mentioned that you're working on a report and some learning briefs and some case studies. When can people expect that and how would they access it? I am with CARE for about two more weeks. So I'm hoping to work on finalizing a global report that just showcases a lot of the trends that we saw and specifically focuses on gender and monitoring and evaluation, as those were two of the areas that were super interesting to look at with this data set. And then also producing briefs. I am sure that I cannot do justice to all the information that we have in this data set and the time I have left, but I hope to start producing those and highlighting more nuanced lessons learned from what we've seen in this failures coding project. And hopefully these will be produced within the next couple of weeks to months and people in care can continue to work on these and pull from the data set to promote and share learning. When the report comes out, we'll circulate it around care. But for people who've been listening to think about what would be interesting to you as the audience, where is a space where you say, 
oh, I really want to know more about that. I heard something here that seemed valuable. To shoot me an email or to drop a comment in the podcast comments, drop a note and say what you would be interested in hearing more about. As Katie says, it's a really rich data set. There's a lot more exploration we can do, but it's helpful to be a little targeted. So if you have suggestions as the audience, we'd love to hear where you're interested. Because as Katie has been saying, this is really a project about improving the work. When somebody says, oh, I want to know more about that, that's a great place for us to partner because we know that person is interested and is going to be thinking about how to take it forward. So a call out to the audience. If you're interested in a particular area, we would love to partner with you. Katie has mentioned she's going to be leaving shortly, that we are hoping to have more of these conversations. We've already started doing conversations with specific teams that care about here's what the data looks like in your space. What does that mean for you? And starting to really have that deeper, richer conversation about action steps over the next three months, six months, over the next year. How do we respond to this? This gives us a really useful data set and a good starting point. But if all it ever is is a report of things that we did wrong, that's not its full potential. Its full potential is when we use that more systemic look that Katie's talking about, that more structured, data-driven version of this, to complement our own personal experiences and case studies. Then what are we going to do to fix it? And that's really what we're excited about at CARE is the opportunity to start addressing some of these challenges. Katie, thank you so much for being on the podcast, but also for all of the work that's gone into this. It's just a really impressive feat. Do you have any last comments or other things that you would want to say? Um, no, just thank you, Emily, for all your support. This has been an incredibly interesting project to be a part of. And I think one of my favorite things I've done with CARE, just because it's been such an incredible learning opportunity for me. Thanks to everybody who joined us for Failing Forward. Just remember to drop us a note in the comments about what further analysis you would like to see out of the failures data set.